Welcome into episode 103 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, fresh off a trip to Las Vegas, Nevada, to see the 2021 Pangos All-American Camp with none other than Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio. Zach, how the heck are you? Zach is doing good today, Jake. How are you today? I'm very glad that Zake is doing great today. Uh, we had one heck of a time in Las Vegas, so we wanted to use this mm-hmm. opportunity to kind of break down what we saw at what I believe is the best non-shoe circuit event of the year. Pankos All-American Camp has featured some of the likes of Anthony Davis, John Wall, um, you name it, the you know Russell Westbrook, some of the best players in NBA uh, in today's NBA, they have played in it. Some of the best you know former Kentucky Wildcats have been in the event, and this event was no exception in terms of star talent. Uh, you just go down the list: Jalen Duran, the number one player in the country, was kind of the headliner of the event. Uh, guys like Keontae George, um, you know Derek Lively, who we'll definitely discuss in in depth as you very well know Zach that I'm a very big fan of Derek Lively so we will discuss a lot of him uh, just you you name it they were there and we just kind of wanted to use this opportunity to kind of recap how they played use it to discuss you know how, how we talked to all of them about their recruitments kind of the latest in their recruitments some other little kind of you know small whispers that we may have heard throughout the event uh, via people that were there people that know uh, uh, know the players you know personally and those sorts of things so plenty to discuss in this episode so Zach let's start this thing by just kind of discussing just the event itself kind of your overall impressions and kind of you know just what you what you thought of the event as a whole so you don't want to start off by talking about our gambling exclusions no. all right well we'll uh, we'll start the show by saying Zach thoroughly, uh, thoroughly destroyed me. Bested him. He, he, he thoroughly bested me. But let me just say, he did his with a couple lucky pushes of a button, not actual. That's, that's what gambling is, buddy. Actual, thoughtful, sitting down at a table and playing, playing games. Well, but, think about it. There were hundreds and hundreds of games, hundreds of games there. And I happened to choose the game on two separate occasions that won me more money than you did. That's true. He, he came out with like, not, not much luck. He came out pushing like a thousand dollars and I almost broke even. I think I lost probably 50 bucks probably, but I, it was, it was a fun time. We had a great time, but great Zach time. did best me in that front. So let's kind of get away from the, the dirty fun. that come with Vegas. We don't need to, to discuss those things. Let's talk about the fun experience that we had at uh pangos all-american camp what are your biggest overall takeaways at the event like you were saying you said this was in your opinion the best non-shoe company camp that there is and i have to thoroughly agree at least from the this is the third uh event that you and i have done this year we did the made hoops in indianapolis and the iverson classic classic in memphis no disrespect to either of those events but this one was just very well put together professionally ran there was what 48 nba scouts there uh, four gyms set up at once. Um, probably, I mean, there were some players missing that we would have liked to have seen, like Sky Clark and Jaden Bradley. But for the most part, there was a lot of really, really big names. There was a couple of guys that, well, honestly, most of those players hadn't been seen by, you know, scouts or people like us for over a year. So it was our first chance to get to see a lot of them. And there were a handful of players that were definitely that are undervalued and most of that is can probably be linked to uh, COVID and just the lack of, of uh, spotlight they've had on them. But all in all, I thought the, uh, the overall event was spectacular just the way it was kind of set up and ran. Uh, they had like the all-star events and stuff kind of at the very end, they did like some weird stuff with NFTs, which, you know, that's the, the, the way that that's trending now in the world. So I thought that was kind of cool that they were given each player got their own NFT, I think, or maybe it wasn't all of them, but most of them did. So uh, it was a great trip overall. And the, the camp itself was awesome. I would love to go back to that one in the future. Yeah, I, I just thought the way it was planned, the way um, that the schedule was, you know, sometimes the, you go to some of these events and the schedules are just completely wonky or they try to do too much in a given time frame. And 
I thought the time, you know, they probably could have started some of the days a little bit earlier and kind of ended the day a little bit earlier, whatever. But that's just kind of being nitpicky. There were plenty of gaps. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't too much going on that makes it overwhelming for the players and, you know, tire them out. So mm-hmm. by the, you know, second or third day, they're like, screw this. This is way too much. You know, I'm, you know, some, some events you go to, they try to overload you with games. Sometimes there's not enough games. I thought it was the perfect mix of, of seeing these kids in person. we got the all-star event, uh, plenty of time to go talk to them on the side and, and get interviews done. So they, you know, they had a lot of free time where it didn't feel like in the very few minutes that, that, that they do have to take breaks that we were kind of barging in on them and, and kind of bothering them with interview requests and those sorts of things. It was a perfect mixture of like, you know, Jalen Durham was off to the side and, you know, we've seen him at past events where, you know, he's like under lock and key. You cannot get, you know, 10 feet within him because, you know, he has security guards by him. This event, you know, he was just off chilling to the side, playing on his phone, had nothing better to, the, to do than talk to, you know, my dumbass. So, you know, those type of things made the event, uh, you know, a lot better that the kids were able to relax and kind of have their own time. They had enough time to get interviews done where it wasn't kind of overwhelming for them. And the, the game schedule itself was fantastic. Overall, fantastic event by Dinos. Um, he's, he's a guy that he's a legend in this business. He's done so many of these top events. And, and uh, every year he, he just keeps one-upping himself. This was a, a, a fantastic event. And we appreciate him letting us be there. Uh, let's start getting into kind of the top performers and, you know, guys that we maybe hoped we saw more out of um but definitely we'll start with the top perform- performance because there were several of them uh, obviously we got to start with Jalen Duran mm-hmm. one player in the class he just he, he just overtook uh, Amani Bates at that number one spot over in the rivals rankings and I I think after seeing them both in person I think we both agree with uh that statement as as Jalen being the number one player in the country so what did you think of Jalen Duran's game and uh we'll obviously get into his recruitment a little bit afterward, but um, kind of your second time seeing him in person, what'd you think? I thought it was pretty much similar to what we saw the first time where it was pretty obvious that he is, if not the best player in the country or in his class, he's the number two player in his class. He was, he's still just as physically as imposing as, as he was the last couple months we saw him ago or whenever that was. And he put it on show again. He was shooting from the outside. I think there was one game where he uh, hit, he started off three for three from from downtown. I think it wasn't until his third game where he finally missed a three. Um, was just a beast inside, catching lobs, blocking some of the most insane shots, pinning people on the glass. Just it, it's very clear that he was, you know, the best, probably the best player there. And there's a reason he was named the event's entire MVP because he flat out dominated even guys that were phys- similar body size, like guys that we'll probably talk about, like Adam Bona. Um, that actually was a good matchup, but the, those two playing together, uh, you know, Jalen still, you know, could overpower a guy like Adam Bona, who was, who's probably 240, 230 pounds. So to see him do all that stuff, that matchup. Yes. Uh, so it was, it was impressive to watch him. And uh, I think the recruiting stuff with Jalen is probably the more interesting uh, stuff of note, because I think everyone at this point knows that he is the, the creme de la, the top of the top of the, uh, or the, yeah, whatever. Best player there. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you looked at. Paolo Bencaro last year was my equivalent, where you watch him playing alongside guys his own age, and you're like, this is stupid. Why is he still doing this? Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that, that he is so talented, so physically overwhelming for you know his, you know, just physically imposing for his size or for his age, and it makes you genuinely wonder what he's doing at the high school level. And on that note, uh, there were, there were a couple very, so talking to him in person, like I said before, the last event that we went to the security people didn't let let us within 10 feet of him. He was a kind of one of those all, all hands off type players. You were not allowed to interview him at the last event we were at. Um, So I kind of went to this event, assuming that access would be limited to him. And then he's just sitting over there over the, uh, on the side, you know, sitting on a bleacher playing on his phone. And I was like, screw it. Let's go talk. And I, he let me talk to him for 10. I probably could have talked to him for, 30 minutes if I had more questions and, and wanted to keep going with it. So he, that, that, I thought that part was awesome. Um, some of the biggest notes from my conversation with him, 
he is probably one of the most um, thoughtful, meticulous players whenever it comes to his decision-making process and the way you could see his gears turning as he talked when talking about his professional options, when talking about the college route, when talking about money, when talking about the name, upcoming name, image, and likeness rules, those sorts of things. This is a player that is not just looking at a five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar salary that's going to come with with the G League or the NBL or whatever uh, professional options he's considering. This is a player that is is thinking long term. He's thinking about a 10, 15, 20 year decision, not a six eight month decision that would come with just taking the money or immediately signing with the number one school on his list or whatever. I thought he was so thoughtful and really made fantastic points across the board about every single option. You know, he was like, yes, money is fantastic. Everybody loves money. The amount of money that I could get in any of these options and these professional options could be a game changer for me uh, in both the short and long term. Uh, you know, you never know what happens with your NBA future and, and, you know, injuries happen and those sorts of things. He made it very clear that yes, he could be financially set. He could help his family a lot in the immediate term if he went pro but he said I think something that a lot of people don't realize about me is that I'm not a flashy kid I don't care about the you know big fancy bags and making sure that I have the latest and greatest this and that I am just a kid like I'm not flashy at all the money is not that important to me he was like you know if if uh, he said all I care about is development and if I think I could go to you know a a pick your school. He can go wherever he wants. He cut his list down to 11. I think nine colleges remain uh, in, in, in there as options. But, you know, say I go to a Kentucky, if Kentucky can help me develop my game more and become more well-rounded and become a $150 million basketball player, I'm obviously going to choose that at the end of the day, more than uh, a five $600,000 salary that comes with being in the G league. He's going to, he's going to value, you know, development and those sorts of things 10 times more than uh, you know, just a, a single dollar amount. And I thought that was, that was something that kind of turned my head that he has a, a very deep business team with him. That's going to help him make a, a very well educated decision at the end of the day. And yes, at the end of the day, he very well could end up going the pro route. He was very open to me about the, yeah, this is something that, you know, there are pro teams talking to me every single day. That That's something that I am considering, but Talking to him at that camp, I came away very, very convinced that he is, he is seriously considering the college route. It is not a done deal that he's going to the pros. And after my conversation with Jalen, I talked to numerous people at the event. I called other parents of, of other recruits and, you know, kind of put, put all thoughts and opinions together. And it was a general consensus that Jalen Duran is very strongly considering the college route. And I think that's something that not a lot of people knew going into this weekend. I certainly didn't know it. I thought it was a done deal. Why is he even, you know, putting out a top 11 list? It's a done deal that he's going the college or that he's going to the pro route. Um, so that was something that definitely turned my head that I do think he is strongly considering the college route. I, it's not a done deal that he's either way. I think it's a true, um, uh, true 50 50 decision between you know picking one or the, one or the other and uh he also said that he's planning on making a decision at the end of the summer which that is something that i don't think people realize at all that, that we are literally within months of a Jalen Duran final decision which also leads to the other big topic of conversation that i was told um, from somebody else that would that would definitely know that a reclassification a reclassification is still very much on the table and that's something that I don't, you know, a reclass and then playing college would be on the table. Not, I mean, maybe he could reclass and go pro, but if he, if he reclasses, it's my understanding that it would be with the intention of going to college. And that's something that I don't know how it would help Kentucky because um, where do you see, you know, you, you make Jalen Duren fit in your roster and in your lineup, no matter how you get him. if you can get him, you're going to make it work. But this is not a roster that definitely that necessarily fits Jalen or necessarily needs Jalen right now. And I'm sure in his mind, if he's going to make that jump, he's going to go somewhere that, you know, a, a Miami or a Memphis or a Michigan or something like that, where, you know, he could go in and be the pro, you know, the premier player 
under a, a great head coach, maybe a, a Jawan Howard at Michigan or somewhere, you know, somewhere like that where he could develop and all that, but still be a 20 and 10 player and in, in route to the number one draft pick next season. So that's something to keep, keep your eye on. I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you root for him to not reclassify, stay in the class of 2022. And then if that's the case, I think Kentucky has, has as much of a shot as anybody else among college teams, uh, college and pro teams for that matter. But definitely a lot that came out of the Jalen Duran. Uh, watching him play, watch, you know, fo- following his recruitment, talking to people around his recruitment. It's, this is definitely going to be a situation to monitor in the next couple months. And uh, I still don't think Kentucky fans are, you know, I, I think it's definitely still something Kentucky fans need to pay attention to. I don't think UK is the favorite. I don't know if I had to put money on it. I'd still probably say he'll end up going pro just because Jalen Duran is Jalen Duran, but it's still, it's still def. It's going to be more complicated and up in the air than originally anticipated, and I take that as as a, a positive uh, for Kentucky fans. Zach. Yep, and I think you have to take into account that Jalen's been the top player in his age group for, or one of the top players for years now. So kind of f- familiar with you know this whole process and and all this, and he's he kind of has this benefit now of the NIL stuff is kind of coming in. It just the right time here and all that so uh, it just it all makes sense for him to at least consider the option of going to a Kentucky where he could still theoretically make six figures worth of money uh, as opposed to the G League where we've seen players like Jalen Green come out and say well if I went to college I would have been their one pick yada 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 Jalen Green's or Jalen Duran's probably will still be the number one pick regardless of where he goes but if money isn't an option or isn't necessarily you know the deciding factor then the difference between money he would make at Kentucky and the G League is probably not going to be as uh, deciding on on his final decision. I would say. And he did. He he explicitly said the NIL will be a big deal for him. He said, and this just goes to show how much how the ridiculous amount of research that he has done on this because he was bringing up facts and and things with the NIL that like people that that really study this and know this stuff that they that they talk about you know the people the average person talking about nil you know doesn't really know the the ins and outs of it this kid was was so like uh, well you need to understand that even if i'm not making technically as much at you know at the college level as the g league there's still the exposure factor that comes with playing you know in march madness and my branding uh he's like the schools are already starting to pitch branding to me and, and like, Hey, here's how I'm going to brand you where we're going to make you the max amount of money that you're going to be able to get, uh, you know, with the NIL rules. But on top of that, you'll get the Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs effect where you're, you know, if you are the player that you know you are, or uh, that, that you think you can be, then you can not only make your, you know, make your money with NIL stuff, but if you play at a Jalen Suggs level or a Cade Cunningham level where you are a true college basketball superstar and you lead your team the NCAA tournament and you have that March Madness run or whatever it is, you're getting that boost on top of just, you know, the Jalen Green boost that it's just you get the initial money and what's done is done. They are getting the exposure on top of the initial payment that, that the, G, the G League people can say they got from the start. So that's something that Jalen said flat out that that's something that he's monitoring very closely and he knows that July 1st is kind of the I believe the NCAA just said yesterday or today that they are kind of taking that next step forward and they're going to vote on it at the end of the year or at the end of the month and the expectation is that it's going to pass and things are going to be kind of set going into this upcoming year so definitely by the time you know even if Jalen reclassifies he's going to be able to make money right away at the college level so all of that being said, it's a lot more complicated than, you know, we kind of went into this weekend thinking there's still a decision to be made. He's not, you know, leaning any direction right now. Uh, he's taking this very seriously and he's going to make, if he ends up signing with a G league or if he ends up going pro, I'm going to believe that he did, he did all the research that he needed to find out that he is going to make more money and, and, and get better developed. And that's going to be the best option for him because you don't, you're not that well-educated and well-informed on such a very, 
you know, kind of wide ranging topic that comes with, you know, making money and, 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 you know, going to the college route, those, you could just tell talking to him that this is a guy that takes this process very seriously. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what kind of comes next with, uh, with his decision. And we should hear something rather soon. He is going to be taking an official visit. He told KSR at the end of June, which is also very big news. He is visiting Miami either this weekend or next. And then, uh, at the end of month, at the end of the month, he will also be taking a visit to Memphis. So, uh, definitely a, um, something to watch he that means that means that he's taking the college process very seriously and he's at least going to give Kentucky a shot and I think that's something that uh, you know once coach Cal gets somebody on campus all bets are off so all of that being said definitely something to keep a close eye on here uh, in the next couple weeks and then obviously next month or two uh, let's I we got to talk about my my other favorite player in the class Derek Lively you know that I have a very strong affinity for Derek Lively and his game and just kind of who he is very likely to blossom into. I called my shot after the made hoops event in Indianapolis uh, back in April where I was like, look, he's, he's the truth. I promise you he's going to end up being a top 15 player. He's now a top 15 player, but after seeing him again in Vegas, I'm not convinced that he's not a top 10 player, maybe even a top five player in the class. He is Seven, a true seven foot one, maybe even seven foot two. The dude is massive. His wingspan is huge. He runs the floor so well. He's so athletic. He blocks. He is a magnetic force field in the paint whenever it comes to blocking shots. The dude just does not allow anything. He just swats everything away. He jumps out on the perimeter. He blocks shots on the perimeter. He, you know, he had like four or five of those. Anthony Davis on John Henson blocks in that U, that UK UNC game where you know kind of that outstretched out on the perimeter you know long mid range jump shot where he just swats those away and he does all of that stuff constantly and I asked Jalen uh, Dern who is his teammate on Team Final what his thoughts were on on Derek and who he is as a player and he said flat out he's my favorite player in the class the reason why he's so fun to play with is because he does nothing wrong. He is the most consistent player Jalen has ever played with. And if you're thinking of, you know, past Kentucky players and shoot, even Willie Colleystein, who is his, you know, arguably the, his, his closest comparison player comp. Willie went through spurts of inconsistency. The biggest complaint we had about the, you know, the big Wisconsin game, the, you know, UK's run and uh, that, that undefeated year was Willie didn't show up in the final four against Wisconsin. And the, the thing that's so intriguing about Derek Lively is every single time he plays, he is so consistent in high profile games, you know, competitive matchups, he is always going to show up. And I think he is, he is a dream player for a coach like John Calipari in the same way that Nerlens Noel was the same way that Anthony Davis was same way that, uh, that, uh, you know, Willie Cauley Stein was those type of players where he is just an absolute defensive terror and his gr- offense game, offensive game is growing. He's extending his, his shot out to the three point line. He does so many things so well that I would just be absolutely shocked if he doesn't end up being at least a top 10 player in the class. And if you ask a lot of people that know him and know his game very well, they think he's a top five player in the class. So I, uh, I, that's definitely something that I think Kentucky needs to jump on an offer sooner rather than later, Zach. Yeah. And I think the, the big note with Derek Lively is his, his top three schools. I don't think he's officially said it, but his top three schools are essentially right now, Duke, UNC and Kentucky. Two of those schools just hired brand new coaches. So I feel like the appeal of going to Kentucky should be a little bit better than that. And I, I, with going just to his actual on-court game, you know, I won't even try and make it complicated. He's his defense is his shot blocking is absolutely the best trait about him. And it would be on, I believe it would be on the level of Nerlens and AD and Willie when they were here, just he's so quick off the ground, his length, it allows him to do those things like jump, like block baseline jump shots. And he's one of those players where even if he doesn't block the shot, it's not going in because the guy had to shoot two or three feet higher than he normally would have just to get it over his arm, which is probably over eight feet. I would guess if you had to say his wingspan, I would say it's close to eight feet. So it's just his presence alone under the basket makes him one of the most valuable players. And then you can go look on the other end of the court where he does have a, he has a jump shot that 
the shot, I wish it was a little bit quicker. He kind of waits until he's almost like coming down before he actually releases it, but it's still smooth looking. It's, it goes in a decent amount. Um, he has good instincts around the rim, really good at just figuring out where on both ends, really, you know, where to, how to pin the ball on the glass or how to come back and, and get some tip dunks in. So, and obviously his ability to run the floor is second to none where you don't see guys seven two and his, you know, even if he's not dribbling it between his legs going up and down the court, he's dribbling it. No one's stealing it from him. And then he's rising up someone over someone and dunking on him. So same cut of stuff we saw from him last time, uh, just kind of reaffirmed it though, uh, is different from Jalen where, you know, with Jalen, we knew what we were getting with Derek. It was like, Oh, who's this kid? And now we saw him again. And we're like, yeah, that's this kid. Like he's, he is who we think he is type of deal. So I think Kentucky is, in a solid position with him as well, just uh, based on the uh, conversation that you had with him at uh, the event. So I think he, he's a guy that I think Kentucky fans should really want to try and go after. He would be one at the top of the wish list. I, I think the biggest takeaway with Derek Lively is going into the summer and going into the spring, he was seen as like maybe like a second big option for Kentucky. He has firmly solidified himself as a number one front court target in the class. And I think that's something that he is taking, you know, I think he's very proud of himself for that. And I think that he's, he, he, you know, he is a guy that feels that he's been kind of undervalued and he's always been this player. And don't get me wrong. He, his game has grown so much. And just, I mean, shoot, just in the last two months since we saw him this, this last time, he already looks, you know, twice as good as we saw him the first time, but He's always kind of been that, you know, oh, he's just ranked this this high because of his height, you know, because he's always been seven foot, you know, six, 11, seven foot, seven, one, whatever. Uh, you know, the skill just hasn't been there. And I feel like in his mind, he's always been able to be a Willie Cauley Stein type guy. The defensive instincts have always been there. And the length to run the floor has always been, you know, the, to run the floor, catch lobs, be, you know, be, be that rim running threat. That's always been there. So in his mind, like the, the stuff he's working on right now is like being able to put the ball on the floor and, and taking threes at a consistent rate. Like nobody's asking him to be Steph Curry, but just to be able to spread the floor a little bit and if the opportunity presents itself where he has a catch, an open catch-and-shoot look, he's going to be able to put it up and have it not be, uh, I mean, shoot, you know, Dwight Howard shooting a three. Like where when he takes a three, it's going to be something that can at least keep the, the opposition honest. And the, he just he's becoming more and more well-rounded by the game. And, and I, would, I would absolutely be shocked if he does not end up in the top ten. He deserves to be in the top ten. And – I I truly believe that he's going to be one of those top level players for Kentucky to reach out to and and be very serious about. He told me, um, confirmed to me a couple of weeks back that he was taking an official visit to Kentucky that last week of June, or I, I believe the week weekend before the last week of June, whatever that is. Um, and then he has only he only has three visits scheduled. He's he's in North Carolina right now. Um, he literally flew from North Car from Vegas to North Carolina to start his official visit in UN, at UNC right afterward. Uh, then next up is is Kentucky, and then he's going to close out the month with Duke. So I do think that those three are the the, the top three schools. I've talked to a lot of people, um, you know, that are very familiar with his recruitment. People that know, uh, you know, know him talking to other recruits and you know other parents and kind of getting a, a feel around him and, and kind of his game and people that he would be interested in playing with. And there's a strong vibe around Kentucky's top pieces and top targets that Kentucky has a very, very strong chance to land him if and when. Uh, it better be when. If Kentucky does not offer this kid, I don't know what they're thinking. But I do get the strong sense that with an offer, Kentucky uh, kind of solidifies itself as the top option for him right now. And uh, I think that's great news for Kentucky. I, I, I think that he, like I said, he's my favorite player in the class. I think he is going to be a, a very, very talented player at the, at the next level. And I think Kentucky fans should be have their fingers crossed that uh, we get to see that in Lexington because he is, he is a, a type of player that you build your class around. He is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And I'm looking forward to seeing how these next few months or next few weeks go as he uh, continues these visits and those sorts of things. Um, next up, let's talk about Keontae George. He's a player that you broke the news, actually, that – one, he has a scholarship offer from the University of Kentucky, something that nobody else knew, uh, that that was not something that was David out Sisk, there. I will, I will say David Sisk reported that a week 
and a half ago, two weeks ago. He did report that. I will I will give David Sisk the I credit. I am always, that. always willing to give my man David Sisk his 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 his, uh, his props. He is fantastic. I did not see that. So, yes, we uh, – you confirmed that Keontae George had an offer, but you were the first to break the news that he will be visiting at the end of the month. And mm-hmm. I think that's big news for Kentucky because there was a lot of buzz. He just visited Texas. Um, there's a lot of buzz coming out of the going into the event that can, that Texas had kind of solidified itself as the go-to school for him. Uh, so I do think it is good news that he's kind of not rushing through this recruiting process. He is going to take other visits, and Kentucky is one of them. Um, Zach, we'll talk about his recruitment. You know, the kind of a little bit more in his recruitment here in a, mi- a minute. But I did like Keontae George a lot, and not for the. Mm-hmm that everybody else loves Keontae because Keontae is kind of known as the number one pure, number one pure scorer in high school basketball right now, or at least in, in the class of 2022, very smooth, very, um, you know, consistent jump shot. The form is fantastic. And you know, he scores at all three levels, but Zach, I was absolutely blown away with Keontae's ability to run the floor to or, or to you know kind of run the team uh, his ability as a floor general you know his ball handling was w- way way better than I I gave him credit for before uh, his court vision just uh, unbelievable he was making some passes you got several of them on 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 film uh, you know of him just kind of full court passes the touch just finding players all across the floor and, and you know converting on assists his his ability as a floor general was I think probably second to none at the camp. I, I think he might've been the best floor general I saw. And that's not even really his, like his game. Um, he did not shoot the ball well at all at camp. He did not even really score all that well. Um, he was just kind of, you know, one of those cold weeks. He wasn't, he wasn't hitting much, but even scoring six points, eight points, four points, five points, whatever it was throughout the week, every single time I watched him, I came away going, wow, that kid has something to him. Yeah, I definitely think the – well, we all kind of went down there, you know, like you were saying, assuming that he was just kind of a big scorer and that was his – you know, he plays off-ball, he's 6'4", kind of a combo shooting guard type deal. Uh, and part of that, I guess, we can once again chalk up to just not being able to watch these guys play really for the last year and a half because it turns out that I think his playmaking ability might almost be better, at least from what we saw, his playmaking was better than his scoring. He was simply the best – well, maybe besides Pop Isaacs, he was probably the best pure passer that was at that entire event. Just for his ability to find his teammates and know where they were before they even knew where they were going type deal. Um, and it, when he did try and get in his his uh, offense, he was showing up. Like he even said to me that he'd working a lot on his post moves. And I saw him go to his post his post moves a couple a couple different times throughout the uh, throughout each game. And um, he had some a decent success with it too, and it looks smooth. And you could tell it's something he's been working on. And at his size, about six four, one ninety or whatever he is, he has the ability to bully these type of guys. And uh, another big thing that I, I thought of note when when he was talking to me is he said that Kentucky's pitch to him is kind of you can play all three guard positions because I guess Kentucky's kind of rolling with that's kind of their thing now is going with three guards. So he was he said he was comfortable with that he was like if they want me to play the three um i'll absolutely do that if they want me to play the two and play off ball next to the point guard i'll do that if they want me to run the show i'll do that too and me and those other two guys will just switch it up as we go along and i thought that that was uh, an interesting note that he is already kind of like look i'll share the ball and that was another thing that uh, you kind of noticed too is that he kind of was already taking on that role as it, he wasn't acting as the main point guard or the main ball handler even though he was you know, shining as a playmaker, he was letting some of his teammates do some of the work too. He wasn't trying to ball hog, you know, maybe you'd like to see him command the ball a little bit more, but with the, I think I forget who was on his team, but he had a good team. I think was JJ Taylor on his team or maybe he had an, he had another top five uh, or five star on his team. So yeah, they had, they had a good little squad, but yeah, just from everything that I, I saw from Keontae, other than his, uh, his shooting um, is, is pure scoring, which I'm sure is fine because we've seen him score before. Uh, but it looked like maybe he just wasn't necessarily trying to show that off is that he was actually, he was actively trying to show people that he's more than just a scorer. And if that's what his goal was, then he absolutely succeeded. Yeah. I think, uh, Anthony black was the other complimentary piece in the back. Yes. Yes. Who who we could talk about. I I think there was another, um, solid player, um, on their team as well. But on that note, we bring up Anthony black. If there's one player that, uh, 
that you talk to around, you know, different media members and, you know, different scouts and other people that are there, the one player that you kept going back to and hearing whispers about in terms of like, Hey, if you haven't, if you haven't gone over to this court to see um, this player yet, you need to go watch him like now. And that's, that's Anthony black. He's a four-star player right now. You you'd find him ranked anywhere from, you know, 70, 75, 80 ish range. And he is the type of guy that, He's six foot seven, six foot six, has incredible size, growing jump. So three star wide receiver. Yes, he is a he is a three star wide receiver. Solid, not great shooter, but in terms of passing and being a floor general and you know, initiating and you know, driving to the paint, those sorts of things. He was blowing away everybody in attendance. And I mean, you, how many times Zach, how many times did we hear throughout the week dude anthony taylor or anthony black is going to be the next you know the, the next guy anthony black is the guy that you need to go keep your eye on and and, and watch him and and you know kind of follow his recruitment a lot more closely than uh, than you thought going into it i was very very impressed with uh, what we saw out of him and we also found out that uh, there's um that Kentucky has started to reach out as well. And that there's some very early communication there as well. But yeah, Anthony, Anthony black is definitely somebody that uh, if you don't know his name by now, I certainly didn't going into the event. You will know here very soon. Yeah. He was definitely the talk of the camp, if you will. And it was, it didn't take long either. I think it was after the first day people were like, well, who's this kid over here? And, and by the end of it, everyone was saying, well, he's going to be a five-star. I mean, you can't go on it. You can't go on 24 seven or rivals or even the athletic without them saying, Anthony Black was a guy that we didn't know about coming in and we left thinking, wow, this guy is going to be very good on a top 10 team someday, someday soon. So um, I was impressed with what we saw uh, from him. I, we only saw sn snippets or I did personally only saw some few snippets of Anthony Black, but from what I did see, I was very impressed and he definitely looked a lot better than uh, the number 80 overall player or whoever, however, 24 uh, seven has him. So, and it's interesting that Kentucky already kind of, you know, got ahead of that curve too there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree, but at the same time, I hope that it wasn't even at this point too late and that they were a step behind some of these other schools that kind of knew that he was such a well-kept secret for so long. Like, Texas is the school that everybody's talking about him right now. He's a Texas kid. Uh, he's actually very. He's he actually told me he's brothers with uh, uh, Keontae George. So both two can two Texas kids. Um, that's definitely with with all the Texas buzz with Keontae George. Everybody was kind of assuming that uh, Keontae and and Anthony Black may be kind of end up a package deal type thing. He told me that he wasn't that they weren't going to do a package deal or anything, but that that they were definitely monitoring each other's situations and said that, uh, yeah, that Texas is a mutual school on both of their lists right now. So uh, I, I believe he has other visits scheduled to Iowa state and Oklahoma state right now. His recruitment is still open, but I just hope that this kind of exploratory interest from, from Jay Lucas right now, where he's just kind of gauging things isn't too late. And that if he's going to get serious, he's probably going to need to get serious rather quickly um he said all the right things to me that that you know jay lucas sees him as a winner and thinks that he could come in and help uk win games immediately and that he's you know jay knows what type of talent he is and knows that he's gonna you know he would be a type of player that helps uk win games uh but i do think that you know kind of get just getting a feel for uk uk's interest with him it did kind of feel like he was like yeah, they're, you know, they reached out last week for the first time, just very early gauging interest type deal. And, and he was like, yeah, UK is cool. You know, I like UK. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, nothing told me like, yeah, if he gets an offer, it's a done deal. He's going to Kentucky. I think it's definitely something that UK needs to ramp up contact. They need to ramp up, you know, building relationships. He told me he's a big relationship guy and wants to be, uh, you know, close with the coaching staff. He said, you know, part of the reason why he's so excited about taking these visits, uh, he's currently on a, a official to Texas right now, which kind of adds to the intrigue that they were his first official, that he, he scheduled it so early, those sorts of things. Um, but you just, you get that sense that he, you know, he was talking about it. I'm just excited to go see my future home and to see my, um, you know, who my future coaches could be. So if Kentucky doesn't get one of these other two official visits right now, he has three scheduled. If he doesn't get one of those other two, 
really makes you question, uh, you know, how serious of a shot they have at him. But um, he kind of feels like the next Shea, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander, the next, you know, late, you know, Tyler Hero, one of the late blooming type players that, uh, you know, I believe Orlando Antigua said, uh, we need to learn tomorrow's news yesterday. Anthony Black is tomorrow's news, and it is mm-hmm. now yesterday. So let's hope that they continue those, uh, you know, that you know, building that level of contact, and that becomes a serious thing because I do think, especially knowing that he's very good friends with Keontae George, that would definitely something be something that would help Kentucky in the long run for sure. Um, another guy that has kind of emerged as that well kept secret. Uh, but, you know, his ranking wouldn't necessarily indicate it because he is a top five player in the class. Depending, you know, I think he's t- top five in, in 24-7 sports rankings. But uh, I believe it's Adem Buna is how we officially pronounce his name. It's, an, okay. it, it's easy to pronounce his name, Adam Bona. But we'll, uh, we'll uh, try to say Adem Buna as his uh, uh, official name. He is a Turkish basketball player, originally from Nigeria. He... Uh, was born in Nigeria, moved to Turkey at age 13, played basketball there until about age 17. And then last year he made the move to California and started playing a prolific prep where he is basically took over the, um, the grind session throughout the winter and into the spring. He was one of the top players throughout there. Um, just a, you know, six foot 10, 240 pounds, absolute, giant down low and he runs hard he's a he compares his game to bam out of bio but i've also heard it, uh, him compare himself to like a ben wallace or you know somebody like that which is pure brute strength will you know tear the rim off the off the backboard block shots tenacious uh, you know defender and really runs the floor well uh, you know loves you know catching out catching lobs you know put back dunks those sorts of things and uh, he's also told me that he's, you know, looking to expand his game a little bit and, you know, starting to shoot threes. And you can kind of see his his box score numbers at the event were kind of, you know, like he would go four for ten or four for nine or whatever. He was definitely a guy that was trying to show an expanded game. Well, you know, some of his shots weren't falling, but he's definitely a guy that uh, is is looking to kind of grow as a player. He's you know, like he said, he said he's he compares his game to Bam Adebayo. He's really modeling his game. He said, but if you look at Bam's career, he started as a you know you put him at the block and all he did was just dunk and you know just his sheer size allowed him to be a dominant inside presence, but he said, but now you look at him in the NBA and you see that he's one of the most versatile big men in the league. You know, he's able to bring the ball to the floor. He, you know, gets some uh, mid range jump shots some three point jump shots every once in a while. He's able to expand his game. And that's something that, that Buna said that he, he's hoping for. Um, and the reason why I bring him up especially is because I heard from somebody that would definitely know, um, we kind of went into this camp, A, not really knowing who he was. Um, and even when we had the chance to watch him, like he was, you know, he was a, a solid player, but you didn't really hear any rumblings about like Kentucky being serious about him. You heard very loose, like, you know, a, a while back that uh, UK had kind of put out some feelers for him and just kind of exploring, um, you know, exploring his interest there. But you talk to people behind the scenes, and there is a very, very strong Kentucky vibe with Adem Buna. And somebody told me that uh, he's trying to set up kind of a um, an under-the-radar visit to Lexington and that he is pushing for an offer quite hard and uh, that if he were to get an offer, that he would be a type of player that would commit very early. So that is something that kind of caught my attention, and I kind of wish I'd uh, – I, I kind of wish that I learned that information at the start of camp so I could kind of watch him more closely. Cause you know, you see a guy and you're like, Oh yeah, he's good. This guy's good. But if you don't hear, Oh, Kentucky had already reached out. You don't, your eyes aren't immediately drawn. Like, okay, so we got to start with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And you, that's kind of like where you start and you kind of branch out from there. He wasn't one of those initial guys. So we were able to watch him, but we didn't watch him until uh, very late. And it just so happened that in the very last game, of, you know, right before the all-star game, right, you know, that, that last Tuesday, he went heads up with Jalen Duran. Some people, a lot of people were saying that he absolutely outplayed Jalen and it was, you know, kind of shocked everybody how well he played. I wouldn't say that he outplayed him, but I thought it was a very, um, very 
I, I thought it was a very well even match, you know, considering both their sizes, considering what they both bring to the table, those sorts of things. So I was very impressed with what I saw. And uh, like I said, I wish I saw more, but in the limited viewings that I did get of him, uh, he certainly looks apart, especially as a, as a shot blocker and as a, just as a pure rim defender. And I just kind of dream of the possibilities of what he would look like alongside Derek Lively, what that front court would look like just in terms of shot blocking talent, just like, whoa, that could be, that could definitely be something that, uh, would would kind of bring you back to that 2014-15 team where it was just the Twin Towers down low just blocking every other shot with Willie Colleystein and Carl Anthony Towns. So um, that's definitely so, a, a situation to monitor uh, very closely. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, UK's in you know, the significant lead. I don't know if he's really taking – you know, he hasn't scheduled any visits so far. I think he's going back home to Turkey to play in another FIBA event um, here in the next couple of weeks. And I think um, he's going to probably take start taking his visits after that. He hasn't nailed down anything, uh, you know, specifically or anything like that. But he's definitely a situation to monitor closely. And, you know, especially if UK doesn't land Jalen Duran, he is he would not be a, a you know, a, kind of a, a rebound or a secondary option. It would be a definitely uh, a solid backup piece for Kentucky if that if it got to that point yeah if you had to pick three guys at that camp that looked NBA ready in terms of just their body and size Jalen Dern is one um a guy we might talk about here in a second Vincent Iwachukwu and uh Buna were definitely the three guys that you know right then and there they were already built they have they have the size up top down low. They were they're NBA ready right now. There was not a you know outside of the other guys that were as big as them. There wasn't a player that you know could stop them in the post or put a, an elbow in their back and and you know not get pushed back to the ground. So that was my biggest takeaway from him. Um, like you said, we didn't get a, a huge chance to watch uh, as many games of him as we would have liked. But from the uh, glimpses that we saw and from the scuttlebutt around the camp, he was definitely uh, a player to keep an eye on. And it was. You know, our conversation with him was pretty funny, actually, you know, <laughs> how he was talking to us. He was very tight-lipped. Uh, he said, um, we, Jack asked him, he goes, hey, what, what coaches are reaching out to you from Kentucky? He goes, what do you say? All of them. No, he, no said, he, said, he said, the coaches. Yeah, I said, I said who, at, who at Kentucky is reaching out to you right now? He said, the coaches. And he said it with a laugh, too. So he was obviously, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's not, he's not going to sit here and, and give away any secrets. So it does make sense that maybe it is kind of an, an underground, behind-the-scene type thing with Kentucky that they're working on there. Yeah. It, it, you just – we interviewed him before knowing any of this stuff. That, that there, there might be some loose, you know, some loose stuff going on. And I interviewed him, and it was the, the coaches. You know, he said the coaches. And then the quote after that was – uh, you know, how, how often are they talking to you? What's the level of contact? And he said, um, they're talking to me as much as anybody else. And it was just <laughs> like, buddy, what do we got going on here? You, you just kind of tell well, something was going on. It was on. after the fact when once we learned this other stuff, you know, an hour later where we were like, huh, well, now it's kind of making sense that he was being – all uh, all silent and tight-lipped about it. Maybe there is something kind of going on. Who well, knows if that's the case, but... Right, because we hear all the time of, you know, Coach Cal wanting to keep things... You know, Nolan Hickman committed last year, and we had no idea who Nolan Hickman even was. He was the number 76 player in the country, or whatever he was, and mm -hmm. committed the next day. And everybody was like, A, why did UK accept his commitment? You know, we didn't even know that there was an offer on the table. And, uh, you know, and then... Little do we know, he ended up being, you know, one of the top point guards in the class at the end of the day. And he was, you know, the well-kept secret that UK had initially that, you know, they got him committed and ready to go before the secret let out. So I, I kind of just get this – I just kind of got this weird vibe with him where it's just like, you know, especially after our conversation with him, so, you know, having that conversation where I, I went up to you afterward and I was like, bro, I just had this conversation – that leads me to believe that there's some stuff going on with Kentucky and, and Adembuna. Like something has happened in here, and I don't know what. I don't know the specifics of it, but if you put two and two together, you get the vibes. Something is something is cooking. You know, it might just be an offer. It might just be very you know surface level stuff for now. But the way he was being tight lipped and the how he was wording thing and just kind of how how coy he was being about everything. It was just like there is very clearly something going on here 
and the aha moment we had afterward was like, ah, that makes sense. It definitely makes a lot of sense. He is a player that a lot of people want to play with. Uh, he's, I think, the secret is not a very good one within like basketball recruiting circles in terms of like the actual players themselves. Uh, he's a player that a lot of people like and want to play with. Uh, he's good friends with a lot of prominent players. So you kind of just put two and two together. It's he is he you know Derek Lively is a player to watch out for. You know we we've talked about some of these other guys, but. If you're if you're thinking of the next big thing that you probably didn't know of going into this week, that there's genuine mutual interest between both parties, I definitely think Adembuna is the is your guy. That's definitely the player to keep a close eye on. Um, let's you know we can I got help. two guys. I got two guys I want to talk about. Okay, let's let's uh, let's go there. Who do you want to hit first? Uh, these are my two. Obviously, these are also guys I talk to, but that's not the reason that they're my favorite. Well, actually, that's part of the reason. The reason I wanted to talk to them is because they're my favorite players to watch. J.J. Taylor and Bay Fall were two guys that I absolutely think Kentucky needs, Kentucky fans needs to keep an eye on solely because they are both Chin Coleman recruitees, recruitees from his time at Illinois. And that's I've I've said that on the website before that that's going to be something that we're going to need to pay attention to for the next probably two recruiting cycles at least. You know, any kid that has an Illinois offer, if they're still, you know, they, they, you can assume that Coach Coleman has kind of transferred that over to UK, and that is the case for both JJ Taylor and Bayfall, um, where Coach Coleman was recruiting them at Illinois, and now he's recruiting them just as much at Kentucky. Um, JJ Taylor told me that he was really, really looking forward to getting a Kentucky offer. He said that he would like to have a Kentucky offer before he takes the visit. I'm not sure that's the way Calipari operates just from the limited time that I've been doing this. Um, but either way, there's very much some mutual interest there. He said uh, he talks to Chin Coleman a decent amount. I think he said almost like daily or some, something like that. So they talk a lot. Um, but just on the court, JJ was probably – he might have been the best pure shooter that I saw at that camp just from – the ability to score from all three areas. He's six, eight. He, he told me, he's like, I'm not a wing. He's like, I'm a guard. So he's like, so a six, eight guard who is insanely athletic. Um, his handle for the ball is a little, little bit loose, but he's still smooth. He knows he's slippery getting to the rim. He can dunk when he gets there. He can shoot from anywhere, especially from three. Um, just a very athletic and all around uh, offensive player who, who has the, you know, the skills that can translate immediately to, um, you know, I kind of pitched the Kevin Knox comparison just from the aspect of <clears throat> the ability to, you know, being that tall and the ability to shoot and uh, combine with a little bit of athleticism. J.J. Taylor is definitely more athletic. Um, the only thing I wasn't a big fan of with him was his defense. Um, I just thought he wasn't, you know, a step there for all that. I thought he was always like a step or two behind. Um, you know, that might have just been a product of being at a camp or something like that. Uh, but his offense was undeniable. I thought he was unbelievable. Um, whenever he had the ball in his hands. And uh, he was one of the top scorers when he was there. Uh, and I think he shot, I actually have the numbers right here. He shot 70% from the field as a guard who had the ball in his hand a lot. So and at 50%, he went five for 10 from three, averaged uh, 15 and a half points a game. So I was very impressed with him. And then um, you got anything you want to add on, JJ, before I move on to Bay? Well, I, I do want to point out the the story I told you when I, when I was watching him. Uh, there was one play in particular where – he got the ball in transition and there was a player kind of closing in on him, uh, you know, coming toward the basket, looking to meet him at the basket. And Zach, I, I told you the way he looked at him with such disgust and disrespect, it was just like, he saw him ready to meet him at the rim and looked at him in the eye and uh, imagine telling somebody, your ass cannot guard me without telling you with, without saying out loud, your ass can't guard me. He like almost snarled at him as he's, as he's dribbling up the floor. So just imagine your offensive, I mean, kind of a roundabout way of saying this dude's skilled as hell, but imagine getting, bringing the ball up the floor, being able to process, you know, doing all these different things at once, being able to look at a guy process, Hey, that guy can't guard me. I am confident that guy can't guard me. And to explode toward the rim, you know, he, he you know had a couple more dribbles to go. He exploded up, and they met, and he kind of went up and under. 
and finish at the rim. And just the way he kind of looked at him afterward too, like, uh, are you really going to try to jump with me? Like, was that a smart decision on your part? Think again next time, buddy. Like it was just such a, such a swaggy, like when you watch it, you're like, that's a guy that needs to be at Kentucky. Like that is Kentucky, right? That's that swagger of I'm good. I know I'm good. And you're going to feel me like that. That was like Mm -hmm. pure Kentucky. That's who I want right there. And he did so many other things. Like you said, you know, he can shoot the ball. Well, uh, scores at all three levels. He's just such a smooth and gifted score. He's so explosive. Uh, I kind of have a, maybe a Malik Monk type vibe with him, but maybe like a six, seven, six, six type Malik Monk, where it's just kind of that, you know, he is going to find a way to put the ball in the cup. Like no matter what, he is going to find a way to, you know, be that type of scorer and, and, uh, you know, kind of give it to you on, on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, I guess I wasn't watching as closely uh, on the defensive end with him as, you know, you, that was something you pointed out early was that, that you kind of, didn't like what you were seeing on the defensive end and I didn't personally see that so that's going to be something the next time and I as the more I watch him here in the next couple months and and uh, you know obviously his you know, his his next high school season runs and all that I'll definitely be keeping a closer eye on that as well uh, but I think in terms of 2023 talent he is easily without a doubt one of probably my favorite player maybe you know DJ Wagner is obviously the guy that you know he he's in a league of his own but in terms of that next tier of very you know still very elite um you know you definitely deserving top five ranking JJ Taylor was easily that guy yeah and that's we I should have pointed that out at the beginning he is class of 2023 he's a rising junior and he was probably one of the better scores top two scores pure score shooters I should say there um he's got a Texas offer I know obviously has that Illinois offer um yeah I think he's top 10 it, it looks in the 24-7 right now he is ranked number seven in their composite score um so he's got plenty of time to you know kind of nitpick at those areas and he even told me he's like i which, you know, it didn't match my eye test, but he was like, I take pride in defense. So just kind of, you know, if he understands that defense wins games, which is exactly what he told me, you know, there will, ideally there will be some focus on that end. So um, I think he'll eventually get there to that point. And he has the, you know, he has the, the frame to, you know, be a good defender. He's long um, and he, he'll be able to guard multiple positions if, you know, one day he gets there. It's not like he's going to be too small to defend other guards or forwards. He will be the perfect size. So if he can at least be, you know, an average defender, you know, by the time he's in his prime or whatever, he will be a, an NBA player, I think. And um, But moving on here to Bayfall, who was also 2023, um, another kid that um, there were apparently some rumblings of him, you know, people have just kind of uh, assumed that he's going to go pro, Uh, We kind of, I talked to him and he kind of said that that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, uh, And he did say that there's that Kentucky connection. He talks to Chin Coleman a decent amount or uh, talks to his dad, I think, or something like that. Uh, um, But Bayfall was very, very, very good. He's 6'10", might be a little bit taller than that. Um, Really skinny, but he's got big, broad shoulders. Like he looks like he could fill out pretty well if he actually, if he does, you know, hit the weight room, which I'm sure he will, because like you said, he's probably only 16 or 17 right now. Um, But he's a guy that can do everything. He can, he, he tried to, you know, step out and show he's got a jump shot, which he could, he has a nice looking jump shot. Um, It didn't necessarily fall the time. I'm looking at my steps now. He was two for 10 from deep, but he did shoot um, uh, a very good percentage from the floor. Um, I'm seeing now he, right here, he shot 27 for 47 from the field, averaged uh, 15 and a half points as well, six rebounds a game. Um, just a really instinctually uh, well-rounded defender was the big thing about him is he's, he can guard a lot of positions because he's, he's even though he's so tall at 6'10", he's quick enough that he can recover and use his length to keep himself in plays. And uh, he's also, he's very athletic. He was a guy that could do windmill dunks and things like that and was running the floor on the break if he needed to. Um, I was very impressed with what I saw from Bayfall. Um, I think he'll end up being one of the top players in his class if he's not already there. And he's a guy that, you know, there's probably a reason there's rumblings about him going pro because I think he could absolutely be a guy that, you know, fits that, that kind of model. I was, I was impressed with what I saw from him and I think he'd be a very good Kentucky product. It's just a matter of uh, if he wants to do that or not. Um, uh, but those were my thoughts on Bayfall. I thought he was very impressive. He, he was a guy that I did not know any anything about actually going into it. Immediately, I was like, 
who's that guy? You know, he had, he had a 26 point game in his third game, um, nine rebounds with that as well. So he just looked really, really good from what I saw. It's, I think there's something to be said when you go into a, an event not knowing what you're looking for and having it be shown to you through on-court play. Like, it's one thing to be directed to, like, oh, that player right there is Derek Lively. Oh, that player right there is Jalen Dern, who they, their play stands out by himself. I'm just using names as an example. But it's it's something to be said that you don't know what you're looking for necessarily, and that person jumps out to you as a, oh, wow, that's a player that I need to know. And then you look look up more and do more research on and, and uh, you know, you get to talk to him behind the scenes and learn more about him. Those type of players are the ones where you're like, okay, that's somebody that I need to keep a close eye on and something that I'm sure that's the way, you know, Kentucky coaches work. I'm sure that's the way John Calipari works. And I'm sure that's why that there is, there is some early uh, communication between those, those parties because yes, Bayfall is a true, uh, the way he's able to bring the ball to the floor, the way he's able to, you know, polished post moves and just kind of that long energetic kind of gets all the cleanup, you know, looks down low, uh, but still have some versatility. You know, his jump shot is absolutely broken right now. We kind of uh, joked that several times that every time he threw it, uh, every time he threw it up, he just never even came close on most of his jump shots. And then on the last day, I think he went like three for three from three. So maybe it was just a, you know, cold, cold week, or maybe he's just that consistent. I don't know. Or inconsistent. I don't know. But everything else about his game is intriguing. His defense, the, his, the way he's active on both ends of the floor, the way he's able to, he just kind of has a nose for the ball. Uh, His post moves are very polished for his age. And he just kind of, there, there are a couple plays that he just, kind of made something out of nothing he had the ball in transition and it was kind of a couple defenders kind of closed out on him and kind of got sloppy and and uh, it wasn't the prettiest finish but the way he kind of just kind of stepped through and kind of like what Giannis does sometimes where you just kind of like have to slow things down and kind of push through and and just kind of out length people and finish up at the rim there were a couple of those type plays where he was like where he was like oh wow, I did not expect him to finish that, but he did. And he did it over and over and over again. And that's kind of why he, you know, he would randomly pop off for 26 points or 23 points or whatever it was. He was one of those well-rounded uh, threats on both ends of the floor. Absolutely needs to work on his jump shot. Just was not pretty at all. And it's very clear that he's working on it because he kept jacking them up. And uh, it just it just kind of got funny to the point where he bricked a lot of them and bricked them very hard where uh, it was just yeah. kind of, chuckle at but everything else about his game is fantastic and he would be a fantastic fit at Kentucky I'm very glad yeah. that uh, things have have already started ramping up because he is one of those guys well and I also I, I think the the post move thing was something that I really liked is what you're saying is he he has a baby hook and he used it multiple times I remember seeing um the the weight is going to be an issue because there were times where he just simply couldn't you know out muscle guys but at the same time, he's also incredibly active. He was one of the most active guys on both ends of the floor where if he missed that first layup, he's going back up and he's getting the second tip. If he misses that one, he's getting the third tip. If he's missing that one, he'll get the fourth tip and it'll go in on that fourth tip. So just, you know, always, you know, being in the right position is, is an attribute on its own. And I think he kind of has those instincts right off the bat. Yeah, I, I, he was one of those guys that definitely stood out, especially for his age when you're thinking – class of 2023 still has two more full years of high school you're like all right man like this isn't fair there's a reason that he's a top 10 player in his class and he's very likely going to end up being you know that top top five maybe I think him JJ Taylor and DJ Wagner have kind of solidified themselves as you know three of the guys in that class Mm -hmm. I think uh Oddly enough, UK has uh, a solid early chance at, at all three of them. So I, I think that's definitely something to be excited about and um, something to follow here. You know, it, neither, you know, none of those two are going to be anywhere close to a decision anytime soon. We're not, you know, we're still so, so early in the process. I don't even think they're not legally allowed to talk to uh, coaches directly at, until I believe later this month. So, uh, that you know, it's still very, very early right. for both of them, and all three of them really. If we're talking about DJ Wagner as well, but definitely a good head start for the Kentucky coaching staff. Um, one final note before we get out of here, I do want. I had some questions about Dior, um, Dior Johnson this week. 
uh, you know, I think he'd scheduled a, a final decision date. It's going to be June 25th. Um, I talked to somebody yesterday that's kind of laughed at the idea of him going anywhere other than uh, the professional route. He is not – apparently it's kind of a well-known thing among colleges even still on his list technically that – None of them have any chance. It's a done deal, you know, zero percent chance that he goes anywhere but the professional ranks right now. Um, especially not Kentucky. I don't think there's any there's ever been any real genuine interest. I think it was kind of a um, let's reach out and make sure you know just kind of feel him out real quick and say hey if there's a, there's a spot for you here if you want it let's just kind of take this next step and that's when UK got added to the list. That's when he confirmed that he had an offer. And I think it just kind of blew up from there that he's like now this big, you know, UK target. I don't think he's a, frankly, I don't think he's a UK target at all right now. I think he, I think his decision is made up and I don't think that we should even uh, entertain that possibility any longer. In fact, I think I'm going to start not even including him when I list off all the players with UK offers. I don't even think I'm going to include Dior on that list anymore. I just don't think it's a realistic thing anymore. And and, then I would be utterly, shocked if he ended up at Kentucky let's just put it that way um Zach with that I think we should get the heck out of here um is there anything else you want to add before we call it a show um no I think we I mean there's we could talk about you know another 10 recruits to be honest with you but I think we hit on the uh, the main targets uh Vincent uh, I would I would Chukwu is another guy that uh, I think Kentucky fans might need to keep an eye on. He was actually the leading scorer of the entire event. He has literal tree trunks for legs. Um, <laughs> was definitely a very impressive prospect. I'm sure he's a four-star. He'll jump up uh, higher in the rankings. But other than that, I don't think there was uh, anyone too uh, noteworthy that we didn't touch on. Yeah, I agree with that. And we'll be back uh, again to talk about all those other recruits. Re- recruiting season is ramping up. And uh, uh, we're going to have our guy, Zach, on very, very regularly to make sure that we know the latest and greatest about all of it. So, Zach, with that, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find me on Twitter at ZGagan, KSR. Gagan is G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N, the triple G's, baby. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be – Ooh, I have a KSR email now. I have a KSR email. Ooh. Zach at Kentucky Sports Radio. Send me your hate mail. That's it? Zach? Zach. I, I, got, like I got just Zach. I kind of like that cool, better. Right? Just Zach. Yeah. That's, that is excellent. It's send, easy to know. You don't have to deal with my last name. Send all of your hate mail his direction. Uh, do not send hate mail my direction. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you next time.